Let's read. David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? David answered Ahimelech the priest, The king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, No one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, Indeed, women have been kept from us, as usual, whenever I sit out. The men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so today? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread, since there was no bread there except the bread of presence that had been removed before the Lord and replaced with hot bread on the day it was taken away. Now one of Saul's servants was there that day, detained before the Lord. He was Doeg the Edomite, Saul's head shepherd. And David asked Ahimelech, Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was urgent. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. The word of the Lord. It's playoff times in the NBA right now. Um, I'm watching it only because I really like watching basketball. Uh, I like watching good basketball in particular. And as a Chicago Bulls fan, I didn't get any good basketball this season. So I have to watch playoff basketball. And right now, it's the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Golden State Warriors. Right now, they just tied it last night, the Warriors did. So it's going to be a good final game. But I was watching the first game... Uh, of that series, and it was incredibly close score right until the end. Um, you know, f- just like a four-point difference for a while, and it made me realize that when the basketball score is that close, the game gets really intense, and the final minute of play, the final minute of the game, becomes very important. So when the teams are only a few points apart, what they try to do is they try to stretch that one minute as long as they can. So one minute becomes like 20 minutes. And it's nerve-wracking for the players and the fans, and it's super exciting for them. And if you don't care about those teams, it's incredibly boring. Um, But it's still a fun game. But the strategy uh, that each team uses is they have a certain amount of timeouts, and they can use them towards the end of the game. And you use those timeouts to just lengthen the game as long as possible. So you use your own timeouts to stop the momentum of the other team, and you use your timeout maybe to get a better position on the court at some point. And once you run out of timeouts, 
Then you start, and if you're still really desperate, you use your fouls. So what will happen is you may see if a team is down and there's only a few seconds left, they might foul the winning team on purpose in order to get the ball back in a good amount of time. So a losing team will foul the winning team, give up some points in hopes that maybe they can get the ball back and score a three-pointer. But this is only when the teams are super desperate. So that last minute in the basketball games, each team is desperately using any tactic they have available. Use all our timeouts. Let's use all of our fouls. Anything that they can use to get them a win, they try. Anything offensively or defensively that could help them keep a lead or gain the lead, is up for grabs. And during the playoffs, this desperation is like tenfold. You need to win this game so you can move on to the next game. Or we need to win this game so we can bring it home and win it instead of going somewhere else, going away and winning the game. You need to survive to move on to your next goal. In our scripture today, David is an incredibly desperate place. David wants to survive to get to his next goal. David's a wanted man at this point in the story. He's running away from Saul's army who's coming to chase him because Saul wants David dead. All the anger that Saul had festering inside of him is finally erupted. Saul knew that David was supposed to become king and God had forsaken Saul as king. And he could not stand this. And he wants David, who he thinks is a traitor, dead. And Saul's son, Jonathan, a great friend of David, just tipped David off. Yeah, my dad wants you gone. He wants you dead. So David runs out of town as fast as he can. He doesn't take any supplies with him. He just needs to get out and as far away as possible. So David in this story, is completely defenseless. He has nothing with him. And David is thinking, God, what's going on? I thought I was supposed to be king. How can I be king if I get killed by Saul? And so the first place David runs to is Nob. We haven't heard of Nob yet in the story, but the the tabernacle is there. That's where it's set up. And and David knows this somehow. What's great about that is is David in his most desperate hour is still, still knows that he can turn to God. He can go to the tabernacle and and ask God for help. But when David arrives in Nob, he meets Ahimelech the priest. And when Ahimelech sees David, Ahimelech starts trembling. Ahimelech understands something is not right. David shouldn't be here, and these are not in good circumstances that he's here. Why are you alone? Ahimelech asks David. And David is not sure of what to say. He probably hasn't thought much about what to say when he, on, when he, was, on, when he was coming over. So, in his desperation, he lies. The king sent me on this mission. Um, it's secret. Don't tell anyone about it. And uh, my men are going to come meet me somewhere later. 
David lies to protect Ahimelech. Maybe David's thinking, if I lie, Ahimelech will be spared. Um, you know, if I lied to him, it wasn't the truth. He didn't know any better, so maybe he won't get harmed. Um, he doesn't want Ahimelech to be accused of any wrongdoing on his part. But David also lies to make sure that he gets his provisions. He's a wanted man at this point. Who really wants to aid a fugitive? You could get killed for doing something like that. I need five loaves of bread, David says, or anything that you have on hand. David thinks that he needs to, to lie to ensure his own survival. And Himelech answers them, we, there's only this consecrated bread. And David could only have it as long as he has not been intimate with any women. And David blurts out in frustration that, of course we haven't been with any women. We're always kept from women on missions. And you can tell that this tension that David is feeling is getting to him. This, this, this situation is just way too desperate. But Ahimelech graciously gives David the bread. And then, so David has received what he needs. But this bread is not enough to satisfy David. David feels he needs any help he can get to protect himself from Saul. David knows that he's on the run, and he knows that he is not safe. And the story even tells us that he's not safe in the place where the tabernacle is. There's an enemy in the area, Doeg the Edomite, servant of Saul. So, he, he feels the need for something more. He knows that he's in danger. So he goes and he asks for weaponry. I need weaponry, he thinks. But Ahimelech tells him there's only one we weapon here, and that's Goliath's sword. It's behind the ephod, the priestly robes. Go and grab it if you need it. Dave, David hasn't felt near God in a long time. And, and he feels... He needs to be protected in some way, and God's just not around. So he goes and takes the weapon just in case he ha there's something that he needs to take action with. Any strategy that will help David get to his next goal. Any solution that will keep David, David out of trouble. David is in trouble, and he knows it. And he thinks he needs as much help as he can get. He needs food survive, and he needs weapons for protection. David feels abandoned by God. All David has is some bread and a sword. It's not that much. How will he survive without more help? David is desperate to take anything that he can get his hands on, but he's not trusting in God to keep him safe. David is thinking, I know you're out there somewhere, God, but you haven't been present lately, and, and I need protection from Saul, so I'm going to take anything that I can get my hands on. So he takes the sword because he's concerned God won't be there to provide for him, and he feels the need to use every option available in order to ensure his safety. And when we're in a desperate spot, I feel like sometimes we act the same way. 
We try to get anything that, that, that helps us out in our dark times. I met a high school student named Jake um, back when he was in a desperate spot. Jake's parents had been divorced for a few years. And Jake still was affected by that, and he felt alone. But instead of sulking around and feeling bad for himself, Jake took to action. Jake decided to start doing as many extracurricular activities he could to fill up his calendar. Uh, he helped out with the school musical. He joined the newspaper, do anything he could. And Jake also relied very heavily during these times on his friends for emotional support. He, would, he wanted to hang out with his friends as much as he could, before school, after school. On the weekends, they would do things together. But Jake learned soon that this maybe wasn't the best way to do it. When his friends couldn't hang out, or maybe if they hung out without him, Jake's emotions would start to well up. He would feel betrayed by his friends. Jake would have to stay home alone, and this caused him to feel, uh, to confront his loneliness. And Jake began to learn that no matter how good of friends you have, friends will let you down. No matter how much, how busy you get, you can't escape these dark feelings that you have. Even the best, our best friends cannot satisfy our needs of acceptance. Jake was desperate for anything that people could give him in order to deal with his situation. And Jake still wasn't satisfied through all of that. Many of us have, have had an experience where we feel distant from God. Maybe we feel distant from God today, this morning. Generally, it's during like a, a difficult time in our lives. God, he just doesn't feel as close as maybe he once did. Maybe during an illness or death of a family member or even job loss. God feels far away. During these times, it can be hard to see what God is doing in our lives. When God feels distant, we cling to anything that can provide us comfort or relief. We want to be the ones combating this darkness with the sword. We feel that we can relieve ourselves from our situation as long as we have as many tools and good tools that we need. But any tools we use, no matter how good they are, do not change our situation. Do not push back the darkness permanently. Even, sometimes even these good tools can actually make our situation worse. We forget that only God can take away our hurts and liberate us from our dark situations. God is the one who leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. In our story, David is in that valley, in the valley of the shadow of death. David feels the need to lie to Ahimelech in order to provide for himself and to keep everyone safe. David doesn't feel like he can trust anyone. David, David seeks out God but he still doesn't feel like God is powerful enough to help him. If I don't feel God near me, how can he be there to protect me? 
So I must need to protect myself right now. David knows God can help, but he feels so absent. God seems so far away. But David doesn't realize that God is there with him. God is present even during the hardest times. And in the story, David comes to Nob to get provisions. David enters Nob, not sure what to do, but knowing that he needs food. David goes to the priest, hoping that they have bread. Ahimelech has bread for David, but it's consecrated bread. The bread of presence, or the show bread. This is not average white wonder bread. And, and David would have known all about this bread. This bread, there are rules about it in the Torah. God, this is the bread that God requires in the tabernacle. God required 12 loaves of this bread to be set out on the table in the tabernacle. And, da- and, and David know, knew that this bread was made from the finest flour available. So it was probably really good bread. And I'm sure when Ahimelech said, we have this bread, he was starting to salivate. But he had to stop because he also knew the rules that, about who can eat the bread. Only the priests can eat the bread. And only when it's old bread. When the bread gets old, they need to replace it with fresh bread for God. And then they can eat the bread themselves. But Ahimelech offers the bread to David anyway. As long as David hasn't been intimate with any women, he's allowed to eat it. The Lord provides for David, even when he doesn't realize it. Ahimelech provides David with bread that he should not be allowed to eat. David is not a priest, and David lied to receive this bread. But Ahimelech feels compelled, for whatever reason, to offer this special bread to David anyway. God is there with David, providing for his needs. And David has forgotten that God has chosen him to be king. David has God protecting him. And there's no need to grab Goliath's sword. God's bread is enough for David because God provides it. This story shows up in the New Testament. Jesus references this story when he is in a hard time and people are accusing him of breaking the Sabbath. So so the story is Jesus and his disciples are walking through a field on the Sabbath and they're hungry, so they they pick uh, the heads of grain to eat. And the Pharisees see them do it and they're not happy. And they call Jesus out on this. And Jesus tells them this story. And he says, David shouldn't be allowed to eat the consecrated bread. David receives special bread from God. Bread that he should not be allowed to eat. Just like Christ should not be breaking Sabbath. And even when we humans think God cannot provide for us, maybe there's rules set in place or the situation just seems too desperate. God is able to do that. 
Just like God supplies David with the bread, God provides us with bread. And this bread will satisfy us even more than consecrated bread, supposed to satisfy David. David was compelled to get more than just bread. But Christ is our bread. God provides this bread, Christ, so that we are no longer hungry. Christ, the bread of life, completely satisfies all our needs. The bread of life is enough to satisfy us. Christ is all we need. When we're in times of trouble, we don't need to grab the sword. The bread we are given satisfies us. And much like David's situation, there's another situation of dark, desperate times. If you've heard of Desmond Tutu, a priest in South Africa, he has experienced many dark times in his life. Desmond Tutu grew up in South Africa during the time of apartheid, when there was segregation and the people, the, the minority of European descent were in control and they were oppressive to the native South Africans. And Tutu spoke out constantly against the evils of apartheid. And every time he did this, he ran the risk of being jailed for the things that he said. But what could Desmond Tutu do? Could he sit back idly and watch his people suffer? Many South Africans were living in poverty, and many South Africans were dying by mistreatment of police. So we, would, we can understand if Desmond Tutu gets discouraged and just says, ah, forget it, I'm not going to speak out anymore. And we can also understand if Desmond Tutu becomes violent and tries to fight mistreatment with mistreatment. Take the sword and solve all of our problems. Tutu could have said, God, this problem seems just too big for you. I need to fight back. But what's crazy is even during this time of segregation and oppression, Tutu was calling for the oppressed people, the native South Africans, to reconcile and forgive their oppressors. Even before it ended, he was always calling for forgiveness. And this call of peace and forgiveness does, did not come from something inside of Desmond Tutu, not something that he created. It wasn't a state of mind that he chose. Desmond Tutu received the bread of life and was satisfied with it. It is because Tutu received Christ that he can call on people to forgive. There's no need for the sword because Desmond Tutu received Christ. And through these actions in his life and many other people in South Africa, South Africans have been able to work towards reconciliation after a period of awful oppression and segregation. Tutu headed the agency for reconciliation there, which fights to bring forgiveness and justice to the white oppressors. Only Christ, 
the bread of life, can satisfy someone like this. Just as God provided David with bread to survive, God provides us with bread. David was not satisfied with the bread that he received, but the bread that we receive satisfies us forever. There's no need to take the sword. We know that we are being protected by God, and we know that God, what God has done for us. He gave us Christ, the bread of life. Christ satisfies us and satisfies God's judgment. We don't need every option that we can get our hands on, options that we create in our desperate situations. The bread God gives us is Christ, the living bread, satisfies us and makes us realize we are protected by God. We are fed by God just like the Israelites are fed from, bread, uh, from the bread of heaven. Christ, the bread of life, satisfies our needs even in our darkest times. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have sent us your bread of life in the form of your Son, Lord. And we ask that you give it to us and that it satisfies us. And in our darkest situations, we can look to him and we can be satisfied in that bread. Lord, in our darkest of times, provide us peace, provide us comfort, provide us the ability to forgive and the ability to repent. We know with your bread, with this bread, that we can be gracious and willing servants of you, that we can go out into the world and do as you call us to. We ask that we receive this bread graciously so that it transforms us, Lord. We ask all of this in your Son's name. Amen. Would you please stand for our final song? Thank you.